the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. What's going on, What's going on, RP, Ranger Proud? How you doing? I got Scott with us, got Glenn with us. Uh, first 45 on the blue shirts. Uh, the next 45 uh, minutes on this episode, rest of the NHL, man. How you doing, man? How's everything? Everything's going well. Enjoying my little off-hockey season fine. You know, get ready for the draft, mm-hmm. free agency, scheduling, all that good stuff for, uh, for a late June day. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll tackle a lot of that today, and look forward to that conversation. Uh, NHL draft uh, on Wednesday in Tennessee. Uh, get your thoughts about that. I'll probably ask more of that on the next forty-five. If you guys want to bring up as far as draft picks, what the what the Rangers could do in this draft. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, we could talk about the Hall of Fame class. Uh, I got things about the. Uh, I got there was something else. Oh, this first forty-five. I've definitely got a, to- a Rangers topic with Capital Capital. I definitely want to pick you guys' brains on that. But we'll get into that. Let's get the guys on. Glenn, what's up, man? How you doing? Say hello to the people. Yeah, hey, uh, great to be with you guys again. We got a lot to talk about tonight. There's a lot going on in the league uh, besides the Rangers. Uh, between the draft coming up, free agency, a couple of big trades that have. Uh, already occurred and uh, uh like you said steve the hall of fame so uh, i think we're going to be uh jam-packed tonight to, to talk about a lot of different subjects all right yeah right on hey scott what's up man how you doing hey good evening gentlemen uh yeah okay uh, good 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 times a lot of doings uh schedule drop today uh so i'm already uh i'm already making plans uh looks like it's gonna be uh halloween in winnipeg for me Winnipeg, the final Canadian city that I have not seen the Rangers in. Uh, it's going to be an expensive weekend because we got uh, I got Giants Jets on uh, October on Sunday the 29th, and then I'm going to try. I'm going to look at flights tomorrow and see if I can get a flight to Winnipeg early. early and it's got to be early, obviously, uh, the next morning, and uh, see if it could be a double costume event, Giants and uh, and Winnipeg. So. That's, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's really all I looked at. I haven't even looked at the rest of the schedule. The first thing I do is look to Halloween, see what I'm looking at. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll examine the rest of this. So just throwing that out there, uh, anybody. I know we did Philly last year. Of course, we'll do Philly again this year. Uh, but uh, Winnipeg, uh, October Monday, October 30th. Just any throwing that out there. Everybody's welcome. <laughs> all right, Sean. Well, you know, that, that, that is the – that is the one Canadian city I never got to see the Rangers play in either, and I I, I even got to Quebec. So uh, that is the one the one city I never got to either. So good for you. I'm looking forward to it for you. Thank you, thank you. The problem is it's it's so expensive because nobody goes there. 
Yeah, that's right. It, it, dude, it, it's such it's such a you know a a, a less uh, you know a, a a minor traveled route that it's so expensive. Like I haven't even looked at it yet, but I'm expecting uh, five six hundred dollars. You know, for a city that is is like half a city. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll find out tomorrow, Steve. I'll let you know what I can come up with. But uh, I'm very scared about what I what I what I look at for flights tomorrow. All right, yeah, so well, let's I, go to RP. RP, go ahead and lead the conversation. We'll get to everybody. RP, what's your thoughts on the, on the blue shirts? Uh, you know, any blue shirts news thoughts, uh, anything Scott brought up the schedule, or just anything with the team? I actually have a topic definitely want to get you guys input on, but go ahead and lead the convo, RP. No, I mean, you know, we were all just talking about the schedule and all so forth. It was um, – it was a weird schedule last year. Am I right, guys? We finished playing the New York Islanders before December, if I'm correct. And this year, I believe the first game against the Islanders is the Stadium Series on Sunday, February 18th. I don't, I don't understand why still yet again we're only playing one of the best rivalries in all of sports only four times when we used to play them seven times. I know they're trying to balance the schedule. But I think it's tough. So, anyway, um, the Rangers played 12 back-to-back games this year instead of 16 last year, which is nice. And something unusual for the Rangers, they played 22 games on Saturdays this year. And at one point, they played something like 11 in a row on Saturdays, which at one point, the Rangers were never that big Saturday team. That was always a big hockey night in Canada kind of deal. And, and really quick, there is one interesting note on October 24th, Every team in the NHL will be playing 16 games starting at 6 o'clock, and it will be staggered starting them every 15 minutes all the way through to 11 o'clock at night. should be very interesting. I think they tried something like this last year, but they started all the games at the same time, and nobody really jumped in. So on that night, the Rangers play at 9.45 in Calgary. Always an interesting happening. So... Yeah, it was great to get some some news on the schedule. Um, there's not a lot of draft talk yet with the Rangers. We haven't had any trades yet. Um, a lot of rumors. I don't know why Lafreniere has been so many trade rumors. Buffy Pedroza and so many trade rumors. Uh, I guess that's just all part of the course, and there's not that much else to talk about. So, uh, uh, Scott, what are the Rangers draft 23rd tomorrow night? Something really late. I'm just trying to find the draft order, but I couldn't find it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know really what. what the, I mean, I know what the Rangers are looking for, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But yeah, that just, uh, just to pick it up, I guess the biggest thing was more or less uh, the schedule. Um, you could defer. I want to jump I, on. I, I'll, I'll actually hold off uh, my thoughts. Uh, on the schedule, I think we could go to uh, Glenn and then go to Scott, uh, their thoughts on the schedule. Then I actually have a, uh, something I want to bring up. Sounds good. Glenn, what you got, brother? Yeah, I mean, for me, I haven't had uh, a chance really to take a look at the schedule. I'm kind of getting the information from you guys. Uh, that should be interesting that Saturday night because you're right. The Rangers, you know, usually, uh, you know, mostly played on Saturday night if they were in Montreal or in Toronto on uh Hockey Night in Canada, so that's going to be interesting to to have them be playing uh, weekend nights pretty often. Uh, but uh, sorry, guys, I, I haven't had a chance to get into the schedule much uh, to know uh, 
what's going on. So I'll kind of defer to uh, Scott on that if he has. Yeah, I did look up one other thing because uh, you know, as you guys also know, I'm I'm go to Montreal. You know, last well, last year it was they were up there twice. This so this year it's going to be once. So I immediately looked at that too. It's the other thing I looked at. It's Saturday, it's Saturday January sixth. Um, so I'll, I'm you know making making my plans with my buddy Patrick already, but. There's no Ottawa with it, and it's not always, but um, maybe like three, four years ago for two years in a row. Now, Ottawa is, is an hour's drive or you know, a, a train ride, and I've done that tw- twice. Once where I drove up, I drove to Ottawa. Ottawa's a really long drive. It's, you know, it, it just, it, it's weird. It's only an hour away from Montreal, but one is like an eight-hour drive, and Montreal's like a five-and-a-half-hour drive. I don't know how that li- logically makes sense, but in any case, uh, and then one I, one I flew. I flew into Ottawa, took a train to Montreal, then flew home from there. That's the better way. So it just makes sense that, that if they're going to go up there one time, that they should both be together since they're an hour away. Same with Toronto and Buffalo. Toronto and Buffalo are like half an hour away. Um, and actually, I, I don't want to uh, speculate, um, but I don't think they do both of those in the same trip. Columbus and Pittsburgh are about two hours away, and they don't do those back-to-back as they did once when, when I was able to, to knock out both of those in one trip. So it just seems like logistically for the last few years, uh, like what are they thinking with this schedule? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it's obviously a difficult process. I mean, they, well, they've got the help of computers, for sure. But, um, you know, I'm sure it's difficult to make these schedules fit 82 games with all the teams, 32 teams, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's not an easy thing. But in any case, with, with the help of computers, I'm sure it can't be that difficult to make things logistically easy. And I know, like, for the Eastern teams, you know, it, it's funny because I talked to my friend in Calgary, you know, we, we always get, um, you know, Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton in, in, in one trip, and that's, you know, they've added Seattle to that, but now two years in a row since Seattle's been in it, and, and that hasn't changed. But they don't get the same thing when they come here. My friend in Calgary, when he comes here, they don't always get Rangers, Devils, Islanders in one trip, and you'd think, like, well, how is, I mean, they're, 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 they're you know, there's, like eight miles apart, three teams. How is that possible? But if you think about it, we've got so many teams in a 200-mile radius. You know, out there, it's a little different for an Eastern team to go out west because the, the teams are few and far between. And Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary are all close by Canadian standards or by Western Conference standards. But here, you know, Rangers, Devils, Islanders in one road trip is not really a given because you've also got Philly an hour away. You've got Boston an hour away. Away. You've got Washington three hours away. You know, you've got a lot of teams in like a two, three hundred mile radius, so it's a little different. So, you know, it's not as cut and dry for the Western teams as it is for us. So, I guess having figured that in, you know, it's not really as cut and dry anymore as, you know, how is Ottawa and, and Montreal not the same? Because, you know, on, on the Eastern half, there's just so many cities and, 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 and teams loaded in the eastern half of the country. So I, I kind of get it. I guess it's not really the, you know, NHL dropping the ball. We just that, that East Coast bias thing. You know, we want, uh, you know, we, we, we like to think the world revolves around us here in New York. And as we're learning, it does not. Uh, in any case, um, yeah, I haven't gotten a home game in a while. I haven't gotten a chance to break out the, uh, to break out the clown at the garden in, uh, in a couple of years, and that's obviously not going to change uh, once again this year because that's it. They have, they have the 30th 
in Winnipeg, and, and that's it. There's, there's the, the next game after that is I think November second. So uh, that's my only shot right there. It's, I'm gonna have to see. I'm gonna have to look and see what the. Uh, what the, what the flights have to offer, and then um, I, you know, and I haven't looked, and I'll look it up when 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 I'm done and somebody else is talking. I'm gonna look up and see what the Philly games are, because uh, we obviously had such a great time. Uh, uh, you know, Glenn and Steve, we had a phenomenal time last year. You know, Philly might not be as big of a pushover, and we and we obviously don't know what the Rangers are going to put on the ice to start the season. I think that they will. I think it'll be similar to next year. I think they will kind of piece it together and add some pieces as they go plus you know we've got uh, some more kids coming up but i don't think we're going to be in contender status you know to, to hit the ice on opening night so uh i don't know if it's going to be as, as easy and, and you know philly is uh putting some moves together so uh you know they don't want to be uh bottom feeders forever as you know it's can't really do that in the city of philadelphia so uh who knows right. it's not going to be as quite as easy game but uh we we, we definitely need to uh do that again that was a lot of fun I made my mistake that that 16-game schedule is not a Saturday night. It's Tuesday night, which is odd. Tuesday night, October 24th, is when everybody plays. So I had said Saturday, so that was was my idea. Go ahead. Is there a reason reason why or that particular date? Or do you Uh, know? I don't – you know, I'm thinking it's probably easier for all the television packages since they're going to be kind of tying up everybody's broadcast that night, you know, ESPN, CBS, you would think there's less action on a, on a Tuesday in October. Also, they're not going against football, so it would knock Sunday out. If I'm correct, it's mm-hmm. Saturday in October. It's still college football night, so they probably wouldn't win that battle either. So they probably just decided to do it on a Tuesday. I would have thought they would have done it a little later in the season, but maybe they're worried about the injury bug, and they want to make sure the McDavid's and the Ovechkin's and Crosby's and dry saddles and all those guys are uh, are playing still, you know, are willing. So that's the only thing I could be thinking about why they made it a Tuesday. So, okay, so I didn't study the schedule. Um, I did notice a couple of things from the schedule. Uh, it seemed like they like to do this, um, that Florida trip every year, it seems, around New Year's when they go down to of, of Florida and Tampa Bay, the last week or that last weekend of the year, they, of right before New Year's, the same thing this year. I was seeing where, how many times we played the Islanders. I know that was a big deal this past season. And the first anticipated matchup is the game at MetLife. So I was actually wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that, uh, playing them four times, and the first time is four days after Valentine's Day, which would be the game at MetLife. So would the Islanders or the Rangers be in contention at that point? Would the games really mean much? I mean, when you have those two teams really close in proximity, you don't play your first game until all the way to February 18th? Unless I missed something on the schedule, why they play so fucking late? That's my question for you guys. But also, I wanted to get uh, your, your, RP. Your, I'm going to start with you, RP. Because I couldn't really articulate my thoughts last time we were on here with uh, LaViolette as a new head coach, because I really wanted to dig for what I wanted to articulate my point on getting, when we talk about the youth, like Capo Capo's prime example. So Lafayette, we already know his coaching stints in Carolina, Philadelphia, Nashville, Washington. So I looked at the guys he's coached around the same age, same position as Capo Capo since his time winning the Stanley Cup down in uh, Raleigh with the Hurricanes. So I look at, okay, Justin Williams, who was 24, got 31 goals out of him, 45 assists the year they won the Cup. 
Eric Cole, who's a little bit older than Capocalco currently, you know, 30 goals. Even fast forward to Claude Giroux, um, who, you know, the year they played the Blackhawks, he ended up getting, you know, as a 23-year-old at the time, getting 25 goals, 51 assists with the Flyers in 2011. A guy who was very underrated, Victor Averson, uh who was 23 the year they went to the cup finals to, against the Penguins. 31 goals, 30 assists as a winger. Philip Forsberg, same, uh, his teammate that same year, 31 goals. So, RP, my question to you, reading off the summary stats of those wingers at around the same age that Lafayette coached, can we expect some sort of the same thing for Capocacco at his young age of, what, 22? As, you know, Eric Cole, Justin Williams, Averson, Philip Forsberg. What are your thoughts as far as optimism on that to get? Because Capocacco had like 18 goals this past season. So what what do you think can be with now with this coach based off his past results? I, I think if I think if he earns that opportunity, he'll get power play time and top six time, which would get him more chances to score. I think the coach has been extremely open about that, you know, from his press conference that he'll give him that first shot to, to earn more time and more ice time. And to me, he seems, he seems prepared with these kind of younger guys, like the players you were just mentioning, to give them that, that first step to walk through the door to earn more ice time. And I think with that, the confidence and the goal scoring will come. I, I think the time of of Kako and, and, and Lafreniere, and Ito's in a different spot because he's a defender. But I think it might be time, if, if we want to get something out of these guys, then you need the coach that has the, the testicular fortitude to move other guys up the second or first line to give these guys a chance. It, I know everyone's saying they have, to, they have to take advantage of the chances when they're out there on the ice, but you're only getting nine or ten minutes a game. It's just hard. So those entire ten minutes a game are not in the offensive zone. There's a lot more to it. Uh, I, I think he can get that out of Kako. I, I think he can get that out of Lafreniere. But I think he's going, his hard part that we're all forgetting is if you move those two guys up there and say, all right, you know, get me those goals, show me you can do it. Well, who are you taking off the second line and making a third line player only getting 10 or 11 minutes a game? So it's, it's, it's a job I think a lot of you that can handle. And he's not scared to address it, but he has to show that he can do it. But if he does, I, I can't see why Kako can't. He shows signs of it, Steve. You know, he's driving to the net more. He seems confident with the puck much more last season than the year before. So I, I definitely think he can do it. But, you know, it, 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 it's a two-faced thing, Steve. It, it, would the coach be willing to give him those opportunities on the first and second line or move him on the power play? you know, first power play and see what he can generate. And then if he does, we'll coggle with the puck in the net. Really make those nice passing plays and get the assists. Because to me, I don't care if he scores five more goals or five more assists, because at the end of the day, that means the puck went in the net. So I just want to see overall offensive production numbers rise for both of those guys. But in, in Kako's case, I think he could really prosper on the, on the lobby of that. He, I don't want to say he's a player's coach, because we said that about Galante. But I think Laviolette knows how to handle these kids to, to make them more productive or to realize, hey, it may not work out. You know, he's had players like that too. So I, I think it's the – of all the teams, of all the players on the team, excuse me, Taco should be the one that can really prosper to things shake out the right way. Um, if you have any of uh, your thoughts on the um, 
playing the Islanders the first game until February. Am I, are they not? Uh, I play so I late, but so I don't but know. If, I don't know why they can't even balance it out. It's, it's a six-month schedule. I would rather play the Islanders like November, December, and then February and March, and, and spread right. it out a little bit. Last year we were done with them in the beginning of the season, and this year we don't start until <laughs> the almost the, the end of the season. I know they wanted that stadium to game, and, and that's all good. You could have mixed it up a little bit more. I, I, I really think, it, as a Ranger fan, I'm never going to be happy with only four games anyway. But they're now to push it in February. I mean, if they're in a battle for first place, second place, those games are going to be awesome. But if one of the two teams totally crapped in bed by then, even though the rivalry is fun, it kind of loses its luck. So I, I like to play the range of the island at you know, the end of October. You know, get the season going. Let's get them in there and get, get the get the juices flowing and get rolling. I, I don't know what the NHL guys are. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sure it's a directive from someone to, to schedule these Metropolitan games the way they are. But I, I think that because it's a balanced schedule, it's screwing up a good range of rivalry, you know, the Flyers, the Islanders, you're just not seeing them enough because you have to play every team two times. Maybe they should do get to play every team one time and then give us more range of Islanders, give it more Boston, Montreal, let's see more Everton, Calgary, you know? I, I think they have to start looking at it and see what the fans and, and what drives the sport even more. So I, I think it's horrible. I would like to see the Islanders much earlier. Let's spread out, not like last year. Last year we were done in December. This year... You don't stop them. February, it is an 18th or something. It's, uh, it's a little absurd. All right, yeah, I mean, we could go back to you if you want anything else you want to bring up. And then, uh, Glenn and Sky, if you could, when it's your guys' turn, if you could answer my question as well on, on the schedule with the Islanders and as well as Capacalco and Lafayette, as far as all the guys he's coached, if you guys could have your two cents on that. But, all right, RP, anything else you'd like to add or, or to lead this conversation? No, you know, I, I just think, you know, when you guys, it, it, it's only one player can step up and one they may have to move. And I give this to Scott and Glenn. If, you, if you're the GM and you had to make a decision after having a brainstorm with Laviolette, are we moving Kako? Are we going to sign and trade Lafreniere or just trade him as an RSA now? Where, where do we go with these two players? It seems it seemed to be the topic of the conversation since the season ended. Scott, uh, anybody? Yeah, um, Kako. I, I, I want to hold on to him, obviously. For for well, for one, I think out of those three, you know, him him and Heedle are showing you know the biggest signs of improvement. I think we're all in agreement that you know we're not going to get out of you know. Kako is not going to reach Jack Hughes' status. He's not going to reach, you know, that superstar status. But he's definitely showing improvement. And he might. He might because he's showing steady improvement every year. And, and, and that's good to see. You know, we were hoping that, you know, he would be one of these, you know, superstars off the bat. He's not. It, you know, it is what it is. Um, that being said, I think he, he, he can... Uh, he is showing great improvement, and he's a right winger. And you know, we we know that we have that uh, disgraceful right wing problem. Same same that we started the season with last year. Uh, so you know, we're going to need him. You know, he had started the season there on that top six. I think on that top line as a right wing, it just 
you know, didn't really work out for him. And that's um, maybe another year experienced, uh, another year older. It might, it has to, you know, I mean, it has to now. Um, you know, Heedle, uh, you know, I don't know where he's going to land because, you know, he's, I think, top six talent. However, um, it, you know, we, we've got, uh, you know, two centers ahead of him in Zabat and Jad Trojan. Now, somebody I remember last week or two weeks ago floated the idea of maybe making him the second line center and Trojan the third. And, and you know what? I'm fine. I, I'm fine with that. You know, hopefully with, with Laviolette's experience, this is the kind of thing that he can, that he, you know, experiment with and, 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 and you know, see what sticks. Um, you know, as for Lafreniere, you know, I, he's 21. You know, I'm not ready to put him in the bus category, but he has had three full seasons, and I don't you – want, you know, he is showing a little bit of improvement. I don't see him just in year four just hitting the ice as, you know, some kind of superstar because – you know, like, like, like I compare him to Jack Hughes. I think him to Jack Hughes is a fair, more fair comparison than Kako. You know, Jack Hughes, you know, didn't put up incredible numbers in his first year. The guy, he had a sustained injury too. But you could tell as soon as he hit the ice that that, that this kid's got it. You know, there's nothing in three full seasons that uh, you know that that makes me convinced that Lafreniere just just has it. Um, but and I think he's really, really on the clock this year. And I'm also tired of hearing, well, you know, uh, Gallant didn't use these guys because he's not letting them, giving them enough, uh, enough ice time to grow. Like that's not that. You know, our third line for two straight years now. That line has been, you know, the best line, the most pronounced line. They're getting, you know, I'd have to, you know, fact check me on this. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that they're getting, you know, you know, since they became the kid line, you know, the, since last year's playoffs, I'm going to assume that they're getting more third-line time than any team in the league, you know, give or take, because of how effective they are. And they're incredible when they're out there. But the problem is, Lafreniere is always, always the least noticeable out of the three on there, and that's a problem. So I'm tired of hearing Lafreniere's not getting an opportunity, you know, to grow because that's nonsense. That third line gets plenty of line, there's uh, plenty of time, they're so dynamic. Now, what I would like to see is them get more power play time. I was saying that all year last year when, you know, the other teams had learned how to shut our, our first line, our first unit down, you know, you can just, you know, keep. If, if you, uh, you know, the, the Panarin stretch pass to Zibanejad for the one-timer, they, they, they were onto that, they were blocking that, and the Kreider tip-in uh, and deflection, you know, it, it wasn't going as well for him during the year, but, but also they were onto it. And you shut that down, and that, let, that first unit was getting a minute and a half of, of power play time. Now, I understand if you've got the puck in the, in the offensive zone and you're passing around, you're not just going to stop and change. I get that. You know, you, you change when, when, when the flow of the game dictates a change. But on the other hand, I would... When that second, when that you know that kid line came on as the second unit, you know they were amazing. They got a couple goals well, in there, but Scott, they didn't Scott, have Scott, enough Scott, time. Scott, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel? Because you know, you know the Carolina Hurricane history very well, going back to the championship day. So what about? Is there something to what Lafayette has been doing, specifically wingers? who are around that 22, 23, 24-year-old range where they got maximum production. Is there anything to that to maximize Capocaco? Or do you think that – what do you think about that? 
Um, I, I don't remember specifically. I mean, 06 was a long time ago, and I just remember that team that was just incredible on all facets. And I don't, you know, I know they had a lot of talent. They had a very young, you know, and up and coming uh, Eric Stahl, Eric Cole. Uh, at the end of the trading deadline, they added some uh, some veteran firepower and Doug Waite and uh, and Mark Recchi. Um, you know, and they had a 21-year-old goalie who was, you know, looked to be the next Patrick Waugh, but he was just really Patrick Waugh for that season uh, in Cam Ward. But in any case, so I don't re- honestly remember how much uh, credit you give to, to Laviolette in that year. You know, what, what, how much was just sheer talent or how much was, he, you know, him. So I don't really know. But I do know that this guy has... has you know, he got the Flyers to the finals. He had some nice teams with the Flyers. He got Nashville. I don't, yeah, he got Nashville to the Flyers. So this guy, you take a, uh, three different franchises to the finals. Like, that doesn't happen. You know, you know, maybe two franchises, three three different fr- franchises to, to the Stanley Cup finals. Like, that doesn't happen. And that has to be a testament to his coaching style. So we do know, we know that he does have a short life, uh, a short shelf life, three years. And, well, Galan was supposed to have three years, too. And, uh, you know, he, he lasted, too. So we do know that it's got to happen in the next couple of years. But I am excited. But the answer to your question is, I didn't really answer the question, is honestly, I don't know. I don't remember, um, you know, I'll, I'll go, I got one of my, one of my Hurricanes fans friends, I'll ask him uh, if he remembers, uh, you know, as far as how instrumental Laviolette was, what he did as far as with the talent he had, the young kids they had, and, and I'll get an answer uh, by the next time, uh, you know, for two weeks, because I honestly just don't know what he did and how much of that credit was his. Um. RP, you have anything else for Scott before we go to Glenn and get his thoughts? Or no, I think he kind of hit it all around there. <laughs> uh, excuse me. No, I'm 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 good. I'm just curious to hear what Glenn has to say about the whole Costco thing. Um. Well, and I'll start with why we like and get to the Costco thing because I think it it there's a connection there. Um, as you know, I was kind of blah about Laviolette, but that was mostly, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, an effect of the, the coaching pool wasn't very strong unless they really wanted to try a first timer. Um, and, uh, the more I've read about him, you know, we, we came on two weeks ago, right when he got hired. So, you know, I looked into him a little bit more and, um, you know, I, I was impressed to see that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of considered him a coach that kind of leans on veterans. So I, I was happy to see that, uh, you know, like you guys have said, he's he's taken young players uh, on each of the teams that he's been with, um, even going back to the Islanders. Um, you know, the Islanders had not made the playoffs for a while when he was hired, and he got them to the playoffs, I think, uh, you know, two, three years uh, consecutively. So um, he has – uh, had a, a motive of taking young players and kind of uh, incorporating them into uh, kind of the, the core of the team. Um, the, the other thing that impressed me is that uh, is the coaches that he hired. Uh, Dan Muse, from what I've read, is, is uh, you know, a, a real good developmental coach. He was uh, with the uh, USA developmental team for, for a number of years. Um, and uh, Pekka also from what I've read, is uh, a guy that really kind of connects with young players, spent a couple of years in the AHL, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I remember him as kind of a, uh, an abrasive kind of player, but uh, apparently he's got a, a good way with younger kids and can, uh, you know, have a lot of patience and uh, coach them uh, the way the game needs to be played. So um, I'm encouraged by the coaching staff. I mean, he, he probably hired his uh, successor, Laviolette did with one of those two guys, but uh, I'm also in, encouraged by the coaches that he's brought in. And from what I've read, uh, a lot of people around the league are as well. Uh, so getting to Kako, uh, I think that bodes well for him, for Heedle, uh, and for Lafreniere. Uh, I, I agree with Scott, and, and I think you uh, 2 RP, that uh, Lafreniere is probably the, the third uh, player on the, uh, on the ladder, uh, if you're talking about Heedle and Kako and, and Lafreniere. But um, I still would like to... I still want to give him a chance uh, with this coaching staff with hoping that his maturity, he understands that this is a make or break year for him. Uh, he hasn't been terrible. His numbers aren't bad, even strength, uh, but he hasn't been very noticeable. And for a first round pick, you want to see more than we've seen so far. So uh, I'm kind of, you know, you know, they were great in the playoffs uh, two years ago. Uh, he was younger then. Uh, last year was not a great year for him. Uh, but I'm kind of like, uh, you know, let's give it one more year. I don't know how much you're going to get for him now anyway, um, you know, unless uh, maybe moving to Montreal and there's a lot of excitement about bringing him in. But uh, I don't know how much you're going to get for him now anyway. So I'm willing to give it one more year with Bobby Allette, with his coaching staff, and hoping he matures enough, realizing that, uh, you know, he needs to do it now or his career is going to go in a wrong direction. Uh, as far as Kako, I think we saw a lot of improvement last year. Uh, I would like to see them more time, get more time. Scott, I was the one that thought about, uh, you know, putting Trocek at center uh, on the third line with Kreider and whoever. Uh, so that way you can make some room for, La, uh, for Lafreniere to play his, his comfortable position. I want to give this kid every chance he has to succeed. Um, but I think Kako is is, uh, is a guy that has really shown a lot of improvement from two years ago to, to last year, and I think that's going to continue uh, as he gets older, as he understands the game more, um, and I think he's a, he could be a valuable uh, weapon going forward. So uh, to answer your question, RP, if I had to pick one of them to go, probably Lafreniere, but I'm really kind of leaning towards uh, giving him one more year with the uh, current circumstances, coaching staff, uh, to see what we can get out of him. Steve, can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay, good. I'm getting depressed. If depressed. we want to give Kako <laughs> and Lafreniere another year, how does this team improve from last year if we're not moving anybody? I mean, is the only uh, more, player of the team is, is willing to give up his Goudreau and his three million salary cap? I, I don't. I, I don't see how the improvement comes without making roster changes. And I'm just taking this from experience back. I, I don't think. I'm not saying untouchable or not untouchable. I just don't see how you can get further in the playoffs or do more in the playoffs, let's say, and in the regular season for that matter. And the only people that appears that people are talking about or want to move is 
is Goudreau uh, not not resigning Tyler Mott? Um, you know, VC just signed the contract, and then you hear, well, these are all the kind of players you need for that grit that you need to win in the playoffs. So, who gets moved to bring a, a higher valuable player in to make this team better? I, to be quite honest, I do not know the answer to that because I haven't really looked at all the other teams' situations. But to answer your question as far as how do we get better based off the current roster, the NHL is the most trickiest sport when it comes to this because you could go from one year, bottom of the barrel, and literally have a, a huge point turnaround the very next season. And you could ask the New Jersey Devils for that. Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much added right. the pieces here and there. But they, for the most part, there's a lot of the guys that came back. Um, I just think that the formula was kind of like what you guys just said. Move the younger guys, get them more time on the ice. They have less tread on the tire. And I was actually looking at Capocacco's contract earlier today as far as his $2.4 million salary. And you could build him up and, and get some assets and trade him his value there as a you know, restricted free agent after the uh, end of next season if you're going to look at him like that. But uh, I, I will ride the young kids. I, and that, that, there will be my catalyst uh, going forward. And that's kind of what got us through the regular season last year. So the short answer is kind of continue what – well, I don't know what this coaching staff is going to do, but what kind of keep pace with what we did last year in the regular season, more, more TLI on the ice, specifically the Hedo, Kako, Laughing Airline. Um, so that, that's my short answer because the veterans are – you know, they, they, they've been around. They're going to probably have a game up and down here and there. But I think you build confidence with the youth. Uh, that's why I kind of wanted to hone on on Kako as far as the new head coach and his production with right-wingers and a couple of left-wingers when uh, Kako, when, when those guys were Kako age uh, today. So uh, that's my short answer, to be honest with you. Um, if anybody else wants to answer that question, or RP, if you have any questions for those guys, up for Glenn and Scott on that. Yeah, I, I yeah, have to I mean, that. Um, I honestly, like, I don't think that last year's, uh, you know, collapse in that round necessarily means that the team had to get better. I don't think personnel was the problem. I think, you know, we were happy. We, we all pretty much got on board, and, and, and to give Steve proper credit again, uh, for last year's team, he was the first one to buy in that they were actually a contender. Uh, and, and then we all, you know, he sold us on all that by the time the playoffs rolled around, and sure enough, they were. But this year was different. This year, when they got Tarasenko and they got Kane, you know, we said, no, not one of us said this this team is not capable of winning the Stanley Cup. So uh, the fact that they collapsed, yeah, that was epic, you know, jaw drop, whatever. But I think if you had the exact say, if I had the option, obviously this team is not going to be the same personnel next year, you know, salary cap alone. But if I had the option, if you asked me, if, if it was possible, would you have the exact same team and roll the dice and start the year with the exact same team uh, that laid that golden well, – not golden, the exact opposite – that laid that shit egg in games five and seven to go out with a whimper? Could you have that same exact roster to start the season? And if that is your roster locked to, to, you know, for next, to take a cup run, I would say absolutely. 
Absolutely. I don't think the team needed to be any better than they did. They just needed a better attitude and they needed some fire. And again, whether that was on them or the coach or a combo, whatever. But I would absolutely, you, you do that same exact setup, same exact roster, and that does not happen again. I'm just playing the law of averages. And, I'm, and I think that they were good enough to win mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup. So that being said, the, you know, we're going to lose a lot of those guys from salary cap alone. So how do we replace them? I definitely agree with what Steve said. The young kids have to be a lot more than the kid line third line like there's somebody at least one if not two if not three are going to get their shot at the top six and they need to prove that they belong there if this team has any shot of contending you know we can't afford to fill in the blanks with guys like Tarasenko anymore we need to be able to fill we're going to have to fill in the blanks in the bottom six because that's all we're going to be able to afford which means that kid line needs to be have all three of them need to have arrived to the potential that we pray that they have and be rock stars, all three of them, and then we can fill in the – and that will make it a hell of a lot easier to fill in the blanks. Uh, but, you know, if, if, if we have to get a guy like Barkley Goodrow and his $3 million, whopping $3 million salary off the books because that's pretty much, you know, one of the only salaries we can get off the books, then we need some low-money guys to, uh, to, to fill out what is a contending team. And that starts with the kids being absolute rock stars. If they're not rock stars, we don't really have a shot next year at all because I think we just mm-hmm. have too many holes and they need to be in expensive holes to have any chance. I mm-hmm. I mean, I loved our fourth line, and the fact that we're going to lose Mott and Goudreau like that infuriates me because those are exactly the type of the guys we need. We need more mm-hmm. guys with, you know, because remember, that fourth line was the only one. That fourth line was basically last year's kid line uh, against the Devils when everybody else stopped playing. So, and it sucks that we're going to lose them because they're the cheap guys, the easy guys to get off. But we need, like, I'm Fury, Martin, Martin Goodrow losing one, if not both, like that sucks. I think I'm 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 very nervous that they're going to be able to, uh, to get back to contender status next year, just salary cap alone. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not optimistic yeah, right about it. I'm not. I'll jump Go ahead, in quick too. Um, I, I admit I am the eternal optimist, and that's got me one Stanley Cup in the 50 plus years that I've been watching this team. So I, I'll give you that. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Uh, but but um, I don't know how much you can do. See, I agree with Scott, and I've been saying for the last couple of shows as well, guys like Kudro are, are guys that we need on this team and, and Tyler Mott. Uh, one of the things that Lavier said in his press conferences was, um, we're going to start playing on opening night with an eye to the playoffs. Um, so he's going to be mm-hmm. looking at what this team can do in the playoffs right from opening night. And... Um, you know, I agree. The kids need to be uh, given an opportunity, especially early in the season, to see what we've got or what we don't have. Um, we got a team here that had 100 points two straight years. All right? And after two years ago, when they had that run in the playoffs, we were all giddy. And now this year, because of, uh, you know, that Devil Series and, and guys just not playing, now we're all, you know, like the, the, we, we need a revolution. Um, but this is a team that had 100 points two years in a row. And it's going to be hard to do anything with the salary cap situation. Now, next year, the salary cap is supposed to go up. Maybe then you can start moving guys uh, that have those no-trade clauses, or if you buy them out, it, it's not as expensive down the road. Um, so, I mean, I think for this year, there's not a lot of leeway 
to, to make changes that are going to make a difference. If they move Goudreau, who's a guy you want to have, if they move Goudreau, they're going to have to pick up some of his salary. So, you know, what are they going to get, a million something out of that? What are they going to do with that? Um, you know, Mott I would like to keep. Uh, the, the players on this team, uh, if we move Trocheck and, and Kreider down to the third line, then all we're talking about is being able to do something with the fourth line. So I don't know how much really can be done. I think it's going to be another year with a new coach. I mean, something happened in that Devils series and toward the end of the season, whether it was the disruption of, of Kane coming in or the players not wanting to listen to Galan's message, message anymore. Something happened, and I don't think it was a talent issue. I think there was something going on in that clubhouse that hopefully Laviolette would be able to fix. So I think between that, um, I think between, you know, we're not the only team that's in cap hell either. Um, you know, the Bruins are kind of unsettled. Who knows if Krejci's coming back or Bergeron. Uh, Toronto may have to move one of their big guys. Uh, I, I think the Devils are going to take uh, a step back. When teams usually do that. I don't think they're going to get off to a 20-3 and three start like they did last year. Uh, Carolina I'm starting to have some questions about as well. Now, there are teams behind the Rangers that are making some uh, inroads to being better. Detroit, Ottawa. Uh, so, you know, you got to look to the rear a little bit. But I'm not sure that any team is in a position right now to be where they want to be. And um, it's hard to speculate in June what some of these teams are going to look like uh, in the beginning of October. So I, I, w- I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be depressed, R.P., uh, but I'm not sure how much can be done uh, that's really going to make a difference uh, in the roster. We're going to have to depend on the, the young kids. We're going to have to depend on the coaching staff. And we're going to, as we always did, even with Henrik, we're going to have to depend on Igor and uh, hope for the best. I'm not sure what we can do next year, uh, this this coming year, next year with the salary cap and being able to move some guys, then maybe they could really change the, the, the complexion of the roster. All right. RP, you have any final thoughts on the Blue Shirts before we transition to the rest of the league? Yeah, um, my final thoughts, actually, for, for the Blue Shirts are, you know, have, you know, grab a guy in the draft that, you know, in a couple of years is ready to go that's picking kind of late in 23rd, and, and then just try to figure out this, this salary cap nightmare so that you can figure out what your next move is. I mean, they're, they're going to lose three guys off their route there. With Kane, Mott, and Tarasenko, maybe they resign Kane. Maybe they look elsewhere. I'm hearing all sorts of things that Tarasenko's going to be looking for more money than than the Rangers are probably willing to offer a 31-year-old. And it, it's going to be a very quiet summer. The Rangers just don't have the cap space to make those big moves they made with Trocheck last year and Penal and a couple of years ago. They signed Clyde for that big contract last year. You know, these guys are getting up there in age, so Gloria's going to have uh, some puzzles to kind of figure out to make this all work. All right, cool. Let's uh, jump into the rest of the league. Uh, RP, you any um, thoughts on around the rest of the NHL news, uh, transactions, your thoughts, and get Glenn's thoughts, yeah, whatever doing? he wants to bring to the table. Scott, same thing, and I will do the same thing. Well, let me just bring up some of the trades that I got made today that I've read. And then Scott and Glenn can kind of jump on top of that. Uh, 
the Calgary Flames traded Kyle Toffoli to uh, the New Jersey Devils today um, for uh, a forward Igor Sharangovich, a third-round pick in this year's draft. So the Devils are trying to get moving. Uh, the big trade, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> you're going to be disappointed, Scott, because uh, Dubois from Winnipeg was just traded to the L.A. Kings in a big deal. Um, that we saw coming. Uh, you, you knew Dubois was going to get moved. Uh, that was a great move by them. The Sharks, even though Carl, Eric Carlson won the Norris Trophy last night, congratulations to him. Um, they're drawing a lot of interest to trade him. I'm hearing going to multiple teams. None of them are going to be the Rangers. So he's going to be on the move. And then there was one more trade I wanted to tell you guys about. Just bear with me one second because I'm flipping through NHL.com. Oh, it's not that big of a trade. And the Philadelphia Flyers traded Kevin Hayes to the St. Louis Blues. A sense there was 54 points this year. The Flyers got a six-round pick and they retained half of Hayes' salary, which is a pretty damn good deal for the St. Louis Blues, I've got to tell you. So those are just some of the transactions I saw today. Uh, any surprises? Anyone there think the Rangers could have grabbed someone? Or is it just all status quo before the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm surprised the Devils traded Sharon Govich. I, I know they they liked him, and I thought he was a good player. So I, I hadn't actually heard that RP. I just just heard that from you. Um, as far as the uh, uh, the Kevin Hayes trade, yeah, I mean, you know, we knew when he left uh, at the time, the seven million dollars a year for seven years was uh, out of the question. Um, you know, he's a he's a good player, but he wasn't that good. Uh, obviously, salaries have brought <laughs> up now, but uh, I agree. No, I, I agree. Mean, what, was he? He wasn't that good. I, I wasn't sorry to see him no, going. He was asking for that kind of money. Um, but, he, uh, we all said he wasn't worth that money in the contract. Yeah, and I mean, you knew he was going. I mean, he and Tortorella weren't getting along, so you know they were going to do whatever they could to move him. But uh, boy, that is not a good return. Uh, getting a six-round pick and having to retain half of that salary. That's, uh, that is right. that is a, That's a, what I that is definitely a just get out of town. Just get out of town. Get out of here. Get uh, out of town. Kind of yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, I love Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he's a tremendous player. Um, you know, he, he has 63 points. He's not a, a, a prestigious point getter. Uh, but he'll get you, you know, 25, 30 goals. Um, and uh, – uh, you know, he, he's a hard-nosed guy. He's uh, a real team player, uh, to me anyway. Um, I know he wanted out of Columbus when uh, when he left there, and now he kind of wanted out of Winnipeg, too, so you can question me on that. But, um, you know, I think he's a real good player, and I think both teams are going to uh, uh, make out on that deal. Uh, the uh, uh, I follow is a good player. He's a little older. He's 29. Uh, but uh, Velarde... Uh, seemed to uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, mature. He had 20-something goals. He was a little streaky, but you know, a lot of goal, goal scorers are. Uh, so I think that's a trade that's going to kind of help both teams, um, both the, uh, the the Kings and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I'm not sure where the Winnipeg Jets are going. they got a lot of, a lot of players they may be moving that are uh, going to be free agents next year, including their goaltender, Hellebuck, who is, uh, to me, very underrated. Uh, just doesn't get the attention up there. So be interested to see 
uh, what the Winnipeg Jets are are doing if they're going to be uh, kind of moving a lot of people and going with uh, a bit of a youth movement. So, yeah, some interesting stuff going on around the league already. Dan DeVar, really quick. DeVar, as soon as he got traded, he signed an eight-year, $68 million contract with the Kings today, too. Yep. So they knew what they wanted. Uh, before Scott yeah, goes, Glenn, you want, you have a topic you want to bring up, or before Scott goes, Glenn, you have a topic you want to just throw out there, and Scott, uh, yeah, go I mean, ahead I, and, and cash it. Yeah, I don't know what you guys want to talk about, but I, I had thought, uh, uh, you know, I was looking at the uh, the Hall of Fame uh, inductees, and uh, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. well, I think we all agree that Henrik deserves to be there, uh, and I don't know how far you guys back, go back, but uh, I think uh, Tom Barrasso deserves to be there too. Um, as far as Vernon, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the couple of cups. He's got the, the numbers. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I went back and looked today. I went all the way back to 1980. And I think the NHL does a fairly good job of putting people in that deserve to be in and not putting people in that don't deserve to be in. Um, I went all the way back to, like I said, 1980. And there are only two guys that I could maybe have a, a little bit of a quibble with. Uh, one of them is Bernie Federko, uh, and the other one is Vladislav mm-hmm. Um, You know, Bernie had the numbers, too. He was over 1,000 points. Um, and Fetisov obviously, was, uh, you know, uh, instrumental in the, uh, the Russian movement into the NHL, even though his numbers didn't really, uh, you know, apply to him being elected. So I can understand that, too. But uh, uh, one glaring omission to me, is, uh, uh, again, and it's been talked about out there, is McGillney. And I don't understand why. Um, and actually, there's two. One of them is Keith Kachuk as well. Keith Kachuk had 538 goals. Um, mm-hmm. there's the, the only people who, who the only players who uh, have more goals than him uh, are, are active. Uh, it's uh, Ovechkin and uh, uh, Crosby who aren't in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so that wow. Keith Kachuk is another guy that uh, I really thought. Uh, oh, and the other. By the way, the other one is uh, Yarmy Yager, uh, who I guess uh, since it's the Hockey Hall of Fame and not the NHL Hall of Fame, uh, they're going to wait till he retires to uh, to put him in. But those are the only uh, players mm-hmm. that are uh, that are uh, you know not in the Hall of Fame, and and I think he should be in as well. But um, the the wider question is, I'm wondering what you guys what your criteria is uh, for someone to get into the Hall of Fame. Now, I look at a couple of different things. Obviously, there's extenuating circumstances. You know, if a guy wins eight cups or like the Tisoff, if, you know, he was part of a a game-changing thing for hockey. Um, But, you know, I look at a couple of things. I I look at, obviously, the numbers. uh, But I also think of when I was watching him play, that I think I was watching a Hall of Famer. Um, and, uh, Steve, I mean, I, I, you know, and another would be, uh, it was the guy, uh, one of the best players, uh, in the league when he played for a period of time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Steve, you, you could probably understand this with Mattingly. I mean, to me, Mattingly deserves in the hall of fame as a Met fan. He was the best player in baseball for a number of years. And it's not his fault that his career got cut short by injury. Uh, to right. me, I believe when I was watching him, he was one of the best players uh, in baseball, if not the best player in baseball for four, five, six years. Um, look at Mike Bossy. Now, Mike Bossy only played 10 years. Obviously, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. 
But what if Mike Bossy played 20 years and his numbers kind of went down as he got, you know, further along? Uh, but again, even though it was a short period of time, he was the best goal scorer in the NHL for the, the 10 years he played. Um, I mean, McGillian, the guy scored, you know, four, close to, I think it was 480-something goals, uh, scored 76 one year. I don't understand why he's not in. But um, the point I want, I want to throw it out to you guys is um, when you're looking at who should go in the Hall of Fame, what kind of things do you guys look at? We could let Scott answer that, get his thoughts, and anything around the NHL for Scott, and we'll get RP follow up on that, and I'll and I'll chime in after that. Um, it's it's a good question, and I, I don't have a a, a number. Um, you know, I, I don't really have. There's not really like a milestone number. I mean, maybe a thousand points. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it would be that high because you know I think 400 goals. Uh, could be a less than a thousand point career, and I think that still might be Hall of Fame. But I mean, th- th- there's intangibles. Uh, perfect examples like like Adam Graves. I, I honestly, and we're not talking Hall of Fame. We're just talking the number being retired. I honestly don't think Adam Graves should have should have had his number retired. Um, and I think that there were. I, I just don't think he, you know, was on the level, you know, for an extended. Period of time. Obviously, his '94 season with the 51 goals, uh, some you know, you know, insanely huge playoff goals. Yes, but I, I don't believe in, in retiring his number. I, I mean, I know it's not just '94, but um, you know, it's basically '94 as to why his number's going up. And I think there were intangibles, uh, his work with the community, uh, you know, specifically like the inner cities and whatnot. Uh, you know, he's getting inner city kids play hockey. I believe that's his uh, his thing. You know, he's been very, very involved. Um, you know, with the community and whatnot. Uh, and I think that probably the fact that he's been here, you know, ever since he retired, it's probably is one of those intangibles that helped him uh, get his, get his number retired. I think if he had just wrapped up his career and left, uh, I don't think his number would have, would have uh, gone to the Raptors unless the Rangers, you know, James Dolan was just looking for another, uh, you know, packed house, uh, big night. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't put it past him. But in any case, so I guess there's, there's intangibles that I guess would, would the answer to the question mm-hmm. that would go into uh, uh, you know the Hall of Fame. And don't forget when some of these Hall of Fame voters, specifically like baseball and football, you've got some crusty old school. You know, just the way some of these votes go, just you know, really just awful. You know, get off my lawn, old men making these decisions. So there are intangibles that go into uh, other than just sheer numbers as to whether why somebody will or will not get in uh, in any given sport. Um, I guess, you know, character, good character as far as the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, probably won't uh, won't hurt. I know, like, like us being Giants fans, I, I don't see any reason why why Eli doesn't go in and first ballot at that. I don't think it's even in question. Um, I, I'm not big in any sport. I'm not big on championships uh, in a team sport, and I, I hate that argument. Uh, you know, it's an easily sh- to, you know you can shoot it down real easily. Oh, really? So so Trent Dilfer was a better quarterback than Dan Marino? Okay, uh, thanks for clearing that up. You know, I I don't like titles, but I think they can only help. I don't think lack of titles should hurt a player's chance of getting in the hole. Uh, but 
it's, I think it's okay to use them as that extra push because if you have a, an on-the-fence, you know, on-the-bubble player in any given sport, the fact that they happen to, you know, turn it up and get that ring, uh, you know, certainly should be added to the resume as one of those uh, intangibles. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I think there's more than just a numbers game in, in, in any of these sports. And I, I think the Hall of Fame, I think, because, you know, now they have all sorts of, you know, it's not just players, and they do induct people based on, you know, you got, you got announcers getting in, you got, you know, commentary, uh, GMs, president, you know, you know, it's not just players getting in. So definitely community work uh, is absolutely recognized, uh, specifically in hockey. And, and I don't mind that because, you know, you need these quote-unquote, like, ambassadors to the game, people that help the game, help to grow the game, et cetera. Uh, so you can you can recognize that for the hall, sure. Um, you know, it's kind of like a all inclusive. It's not just the best players. Um, in, in, you know, and I think hockey does that more than any other sport. I might be wrong. It just seems how it seems like it is to me. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll, what else I got for the league? Um, <laughs> there was one thing I was going to get into. I don't know if it's worthy of bringing up. Um, cause I do like to, you know, I'm very hard on the league, you know, obviously I, I, I ripped the league, but they, they did something controversial and we kind of avoid the politics and whatnot, but what happened last week, I mean, it, it's news, you know, the NHL, uh, yes. I think you guys know what I'm referring to. So the NHL banning mm-hmm. all the, uh, the pregame warmup jerseys and, you know, and they called it a distraction. And, you know, obviously they're going to take a lot of heat for that. Again, I'm, I'm going to try and toe the line very carefully here, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of intolerant <laughs> people. We, 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 there's like, you know, again, like we, we, we don't really bring up politics, but I mean, this is an NHL politics issue. So I'm bringing it up. Um, you know, the NFL, they're going to take a lot of crap. You know, the NHL is already under the microscope. Um, you know, again, I'm going to toe the line, but, you know, just because of how, you know, overwhelmingly white the league is, you know, when it comes to ESPN and, and, and the mainstream media, you know, the NHL is always un, uh, under a microscope, and that's just reality. So for them to do the first league, uh, the first league here to stand up and say what everyone is thinking in that it has become a distraction. You know, it's gotten to the point where it's – it's not even at the point where it's about like what the players are, what night it is. It's about who didn't take part. You know, they're, they're out there like hawks, like, you know, they're, they're like sharks. The media is salivating for the guys, you know, and again, hockey above any other league. They, cause they just, they want nothing but bad press to write about the NHL. And, you know, when you got the, the people that are, that are not taking part, you know, the story now becomes who didn't take part. Then what's the point of having, and the NHL finally had the balls or the first league to stand up and have the balls and say, you know what, enough's enough. Like, you know, enough with the activism. It's, it is, in fact, a distraction. And I applaud them for this. So I, I, it sucks that, you know, you're going to have mm-hmm. some things like, like the military jerseys and the, and the cancer jerseys. I'm going to assume it's going to be an all-inclusive ban or they're really going to take shit if they keep those around, uh, specifically is. the military one. But. Okay. Okay. So you you know what they 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 that's that's a concession they had to make, but I applaud them for for standing up and saying it is in fact a distraction and enough's enough. Let's just can, you know can can we concentrate on playing hockey, please? And and I you know I have to give credit where it's due. So 
naturally that lasted about three days before the NHL completely screwed the pooch. And I'm talking about Eric Carlson winning the Norris Trophy. Rest in peace, Norris Trophy. You know, we talked about this. Guy's on minus 26, minus 103 for his career. Do not tell me that he won the award for best defenseman. Tell me that the Norris Trophy can now be defined as the best forward that lines up on the blue line for some strange reason and is terrible at playing defense. Congratulations, Eric Carlson. I mean, they just made a complete mockery out of the Norris Trophy. I know that it's happened in the past. You've had big offensive numbers. You know, it's it's offensive number heavy. I get it, but it's stupid. I don't agree with it. Don't you know? You have a you have a the Selkie Award. You have a best defensive forward. So why can't we recognize? Defense for why do we why do we have an award to recognize defense of forwards, but we don't have an award to recognize defense of defensemen? It, it's 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 tragic. It really is. Um, so it, it was laughable, but so you know the NHL gets on my good graces, and of course it lasts three days before they screw it up and ruin the Norris Trophy for it. That's just third Norris Trophy. And here's my question, and everybody can answer this. Here's my question. If you have any thoughts of thinking it was a good call for him to get it, or, or, or whether or not you don't, but if you are, if you're the head coach and your team is up by one goal in the game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals with one minute left, are you putting Eric Carlson on the ice for that one minute? Because I sure as hell am not. So if anybody can honestly tell me, yeah, I would want Eric Carlson on that ice with up by up by one with one minute, then well, okay, you know, seek help. <laughs> There's my rant. Amen. Go ahead, RP. I, I want to, I, I want to, I think I have all three of these covered. Uh, to what Glenn was saying about the Hall of Fame, I think one of the biggest things is consistency. Henry Glenquist had, what, 30 wins in 12 straight seasons or something like that. Um, I think consistency in hockey is something very hard to, to attain and keep doing year after year after year whether you're a goal scorer or a defenseman with scoring points and, and so forth. I think consistency, I think leadership on the ice and off the ice is another thing. I, I never thought it was about championships, so the more cups you win, of course, the easier it is to get in because that's just in any sport the name of the game. So that was just my little on what we thought gets a player in, how they handle themselves on and off the ice, leadership skills, all, all those things I think add to – a Hall of Fame caliber inductee. So, on uh, on on the theme nights that that Scott brought up, I agree with everything that you said. Um, the league is still going to produce theme night jerseys because let's face it, the hockey fights cancer jerseys raises a lot of money for cancer research when they're game warm warm up jerseys and then they put on for bid and they make a lot of money. So I've just read here that they're going to still design and produce the jerseys and all the players will sign them and then they'll still be able to auction them off. So they're trying to get the same benefit without having them wear it and have all that distraction. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I knew Carlson was going to win once they started had 100 points because a lot of times it's just what they based it on. But at the end of the day, it's about the position. And I thought, I thought Fox had a better year. Maybe a little biased. Mm-hmm. But – Hey, I'm, I'm I am happy that he's been nominated twice in in his four years in the league. He's he's going to be a real special player. I don't even think we've seen his potential yet. So there'll be some more Norris trophies coming up. I just want to make sure I hit each of those topics, Steve. I was trying to keep 
yeah, yeah. I, votes I, when Scott was going in. Yeah, I, adding shit. I was like, oh no. Yeah, Scott. I Scott write goes in the draft, man. I had to forget. write it down too, man. <laughs> yeah, I had to write it down. I was like, I'm miss, so I want to follow this point. Yeah, go go yeah, ahead. Dude. You you jump on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fly through this because I want to make sure we have enough time so everybody gets their thoughts. But uh, I want to I'm gonna get to everything because I wrote it down to to RP's point as far as the transactions. It, it makes sense what Jersey's doing uh, with Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I knew he had 30 goals with Calgary, but uh, New Jersey after how they lost or went out versus the Canes, adding a veteran winger who had, like, I didn't know how many points he had. Hold on, I knew he had over 30 goals. They're, they're adding they're, – they're going for it, basically. We all know that. So th- I think that is a very good move for Jersey. And the same thing for the L.A. Kings. Because um, I was look, I was actually going to bring up the Winnipeg Jets. I'm glad I could hold off on it to the next time we come on because, the, to me, the, 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 when I looked at that roster, the Winnipeg Jets, because I was going to bring it up tonight, I was like, there's something about that that's just not going anywhere. They have all this talent. But the way they went out versus Vegas left a bad taste in my mouth. And I think they're saying, okay, this is not going to work. Salary cap stuff. And, and looking from the L.A. perspective, they can't get past Edmonton. They got it. They needed to add up Luke DeBoy to challenge Edmonton. It seems like when they go against those guys in the playoffs, they were missing something to get, you know, when it goes to those six, seven-game series versus the, uh, versus the Oilers. Uh, so I think this is all lined up, not only just Vegas, because Vegas is the chance, but it's really about the other teams like Edmonton, like that, 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 that barrier they had, the L.A. Kings. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, listen, man, I, you know, I'm going to be real quick. All the leagues, it's like when they do the, uh, the breast can- cancer awareness or, or military, it's like every other focal group is going to come out and be like, what about us? What about us? What about us? It's got into a point. It's like every league is trying to cater to everybody, and it's just hard. You just can't. So yeah, good kudos to the NHL for pulling back. Let's just keep it basic. Still sell the jerseys, make your money, and just be that. I'm cool with what mm-hmm. the NHL did. No problem. I'm with you. Also, Scott, R.I.P. to the Norris Trophy. And when it comes to the awards, I listen. Even since the '90s, as far as a sports fan or just. Uh, entertainment fan. I, I, I've been off the awards train for for decades now at this point. So it's, I only look at it from a standpoint is if this guy's going to get into the Hall of Fame or not. So the, 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 the recognition and all that, I know a lot of fans get really wrapped up into that. I'm just not that kind of fan. I just don't have the time to really be thinking about that. I just rather look at it from a standpoint of did he have a great year? Did he not have a great year? A lot of these awards, like Scott, Scott says, is like old and biased and stuff. So I just, it's almost an is what it is when it comes to that. Um, I think there was something else. Oh, the Hall of Fame, and I definitely want to get uh, Scott, uh, not Scott, boy, Scott too. But uh, Glenn's thoughts on all the other guys that got in, like Lundquist, no brainer, right? Uh, let's see, you brought up Brasso, right? Um, you know he's probably going in that mm-hmm. thing when he had a lot of years with um, was he with Boston with that Buffalo. before that? I can't remember. Oh, Buffalo, Buffalo. 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 Yeah, it was Buffalo. And Terjan, who's been there with, with the Sabres, remember he got traded uh, to the Islanders. I mean, he's been bounced around with the Canadians. So, yeah, um, I mean, he's been on a million teams. So, you know, you know kudos to, to those guys that got in as well. I mean, there's really no surprises on that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I have no – Mike Vernon got in, I think, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Yep. And um, Oyelette, the, uh, the, the, the Canadian female player, she, she was dominant. 
Uh, but yeah, no issues with the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm like, it's really about how you dominated in that that period of time. You it, you just kind of know, like, if the guy, whether he was on a or you know, gal, whatever with sport, if they were on a great team or not, really not necessarily the the, the issue is more about how they produced in that uh, for that team consistently. Uh, and you you kind of know, like, if you say somebody's name, like, you think Hall of Fame or not. When you say Henrik Lundqvist, Hall of Fame, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, it's just, it should be a hesitation. And, Scott, we had those arguments for years on the Bleed Blue show with the Big Blue Roundtable about Eli Manning. Uh, the issue for me was more about first ballot or second ballot. I think he's going to get in because, you know, he had a kind of a squeaky clean image, won two Super Bowls. Um, but he he was statistically, he never really was – Hall of Famous. He just played every game, was good to the media, and won in New York. And that should get him in the Hall of Fame, whether it's first ballot or second ballot, is a whole other thing. And I'm with you, Glenn, as far as Mattingly. Like, it's the same thing. Great years with the Yankees, just never won. And at the time with the baseball, it was only two divisions in each league, and that's really hard to get to. Now, every seems like every team could get in now with all these divisions and wild cards and stuff like that. I hope I covered everything. If anything else, somebody else to add, or whoever is next after that, or... Or the, or the NHL draft, I'm definitely going to watch it. And RP, you know, we used to really do our homework on that. I really was slipping this year, man. I'm going to get back on oh, that. Oh, yeah. Studying up on the circuits. Like, that's not just the NHL, but all the sports, because I kind of think I've been a little bit behind. There's so much to watch. There's so much to cover. <laughs> but I'll be more yeah, better you know, as far as, you know, how we need to really dig into it. Oh, man, we're, the Rangers yeah, are going to trade up. And yeah, gonna get this guy. Yeah. I mean, we were hoping. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We was always on that, but I—I'll I, be we honest, man. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm gonna be back on that, man. I'm get back into the OHL and all that other stuff. AHL, see who, what is what. Go ahead, RP. That—that's the thing. It, it's so hard, especially in hockey, to follow all these potential draft picks because we don't get to view the OHL and, and all these leagues and that that are out there and all these players that are out there. So I find it yeah. harder because especially here in New York, there's so many pro teams, no one really touches on the draft until a week or two weeks before the NHL draft. And by then, you're just reading names. But I, I put a poll up on my Twitter, and I'm just curious what you guys think. And, and the question was, is it more important, because the Rangers are drafting at 23, is it more important to pick the best person in the draft at that point, or should they draft by position that they need the most, which in my case, in my life, I should say, is a center. Um, what do you guys think? Because I got some, I got a, an interesting feedback. I mean, I've only had 41 votes on it since I posted it a couple of hours ago. 81% think the best player available should be drafted, and only 18% think that the position should be, or the draft position uh, of what they need should be taken that place. What do you guys think? I think if you look at an organization as a whole, um, and if the Rangers, uh, for instance, uh, have a hole at center throughout their, their organization, then, yeah, I would say, you know, go with the best position that you're looking for, and, you know, hopefully in two or three, two or three years uh, that kid will, uh, you know, whether he's a, a, a top-line center or a third-line center, uh, at least he'll fill a hole at that time that you need. Uh, so I think I think they need to look at not just the, the 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 NHL team, but also you know as an organization. If the uh, organization is bereft of defensemen or a left wing, I mean look 
look what happened. They kept drafting left wings, and now we got a long jam at left wing. Our Austin's a left wing, too. Right. So, so now mm-hmm. it's like, what do we do with all these left wings? Um, so I think you got to look at it as, a, as an organization um, when, you're, when you're doing that. Um, I don't pay a lot of attention to the draft um, really in the NHL and not much in the NFL either. Uh, I kind of tend to, after the teams have made their picks, kind of go through, see who they picked, and see if that was, uh, especially in the NFL where you're expecting players to, to be on the field right away, um, to see if, if they uh, you know, kind of pick somebody that I thought could help them. Because uh, I don't, I don't look at a lot of uh, minor league hockey, or, or uh, I should say, you know, juniors, whatever. So to me, it's, it's names and numbers, and uh, I, so I kind of wait to see who drafts who. Uh, looks like Bedard is going to be the first uh, the consensus pick, uh, but then after okay. that, I kind of look and see what I kind of look and see what uh, what te- who teams pick, and if it looks like all right, they looks like they fill the need, or they pick somebody who's going to help them in a couple of years. Uh, so that's kind of how I go with that. I do want to point out one last thing that Scott said about RIP to the, to the North. Uh, I, I totally agree with him on that because, I mean, we all kind of knew that uh, uh, with the start he had uh, that he was going to win the Norris probably like back in uh, December. Uh, so we knew that was going to happen. But when it was announced, I thought of the Sir Savards, the, the Larry Robinsons, um, and one that, one that I picked out too, I just went up to look at his numbers, to kind of make Scott's point. Um, in, uh, let's see, when was that? Uh, 1983 and 1984, Rob Langway won the Norris Trophy two years in a row. His point totals that year were 32 and 33. He had one goal wow. on the power play each of those years, uh, and uh, he had two and five assists on the power play. So he wasn't even playing on the power play that much. But what a defensive defenseman. That was a defenseman to me. And I've always thought with awards, um, you know, in baseball too and, and in hockey, it always seems to go to the best player with the best numbers. And I've always wanted to see them have the MVP be for the guy who truly was the most valuable player uh, for the, the result that that team got. But I'd also like to see a best player award because the best player in the league could be on the team that came in fifth. Um, and there's always that argument of, well, yeah, you're the best player, but you came in fifth, so how could you be the MVP? I'd like to see two separate awards. An MVP that truly is what it says, most valuable player, and then another one that picks the best player in the league. Hey, Glenn, can I really chime in before Scott goes in? That's the same so, argument on the baseball side I had last year because mm-hmm. I'm a Yankee guy, and I love Aaron yep. Judge. I know, th- I know mm-hmm. this is a hockey episode, but the point is MVP, you know, best team in the division. But you can't tell me I'm looking what I'm seeing. I've never seen some out-of-the-world galaxy shit with Shohei Otani. Yeah. That's the right. best player on a crappy team. Yeah. And I'm a Yankee guy. Yeah. But the Yankee fans yeah. gave me hell for saying that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, see, that's what that's I like. That's New York. Otani <laughs> wins the best player. Judge wins the MVP. And then we're good. I, I think there are too many awards. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean that's, I've been off the wars train since the nineties, man. I'm, that, that's not my thing. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, I it's just, too much. <laughs> it's it's just it's too much. There's just too much out there. That's just my it's opinion. I know they will feed off it. Yeah, Scott. Anything else you got before we go around for final thoughts? Or? 
Um, no, not really. Um, yeah, that's an interesting debate. Uh, we'll, the, the the two topics, real quick. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a supporter of, of take the best player available as well, especially with uh, in hockey with the Rangers because. You never know which uh, which position is going to open up as a whole. I mean, you know, we, we get we get rid of guys so quickly for salary cap reasons. I mean, take Goodrow. Didn't we sign him for five years, eight years? Was it something like really, really long? I was so excited. And, and here he's gone after two just because it's financial. Um, and as for the MVP, I'm kind of torn on that, whether it needs to be a playoff team. You know, pretty much every league tends to only look at if your team made the playoffs. I'm kind of torn on that um you know it's one thing to just put up ridiculous numbers on a terrible team but if you know if you're the only guy on the team doing anything uh you know just because the rest of your team stinks shouldn't uh shouldn't really (laughs) impact your ability to win the mvp like hey i I did my part (laughs) you know uh so I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. But on the, on the other hand, you know, how much of an MVP to that team could you possibly have been if the team, despite yourself, did not do anything at all? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm, I can't really decide either way on that. Uh, so there's there's my opinion on both of those. All right. All right. Cool. RP, you want to lead us to final thoughts as we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, we've covered a lot tonight. It's, it's all been really a great conversation. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I did. Um, I just think that as an organization, the Rangers are really on a, a, a stranglehold to improve. Um, you know, the talk of trading Gaudreau, we've mentioned several times tonight, it's because he has the, the biggest salary that they can trade because he doesn't have a no-move clause. But you're going to lose a guy that everyone said, and and it was proven on Tampa Bay when he was there, he's the kind of player that you need in the playoffs. So if you trade him, you you better make sure you're getting one or two players back. Is sort of in that same category, because otherwise you're just making the team weaker. And I always I always say this: when you make a trade, whoever you are in whatever sport you're on, if you've made the trade, you want to say you're better than when than before you made the trade. And I think in this instance because it's a salary cap crunch, I don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, so I think overall it's going to be a quiet summer. Don't expect any blockbuster trades because I just, with their cap situation, right now they don't have it. They're going to have to replace three players on the roster right now in Kane, Mott, and Tarasenko until the Rangers decide what they want to do with Kane. He's several months away after the surgery. So I think he's going to be one of those players that, someone talks about in December if he's still out there. So uh, I just think that overall, this is a team that we have. We're going to ride on Chesterton's shoulders as always. And hope Drury can continue to do what he's done the last couple of years and push those right buttons to at least on paper be a team that's ready for the playoffs. You can't knock a lot of the moves Drury has made other than the Kane move. And I say that because I don't like that he put the team in – salary cap limbo for five games because he wanted to make sure he had enough room to trade for him. That was a little odd. But other than that, he's made some good moves. He's proven to be a pretty good GM in my eye. Uh, we'll see what happens with the draft and then proceed to open you know, the training camp and see what happens from there. Ooh, shout out to RP. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Ranger Proud. 
to be following throughout the off season on his tweets and, and posts, man. Uh, we'll get, let's get Glenn's final thoughts and then Scott's and then you know my final thoughts after that. Yeah, now my final thoughts will be quick. I mean, we're coming upon uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the uh, NHL off season, which is the uh, free agency period. Uh, those first few days are usually uh, a real frenzy. I don't know if it's going to be quiet because so many teams uh, have cap issues. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if some of the teams that have a lot of cap room go after a couple of uh, you know bigger free agents because they've got the money to spend. Um, and finally, I am fascinated to see what's going to happen in Toronto if they're going to uh, wind up moving one of the big four. I don't think Matthews is going to go. I don't think Tavares is going to go either, but there's been speculation about Marner, uh, and there's been speculation about Nylander, um, and uh, I, I am probably, as much as anybody in Toronto, uh, interested to see what goes on up there in the next uh, couple of weeks and uh, over the next couple of months before the season starts to see what Toronto, that Toronto team looks like on opening night. Watching an NHL draft? I'll probably watch it. I'm not as into it as I was when uh, the Rangers had the first and the second pick. Um, so I probably will at least watch the first round. Uh, and then, like I said, after after it's over, I kind of look and see who picked who and uh, see if, uh, you know, kind of rate them and see if I think they, you know, kind of did what they should have done. Or And it's always interesting as the years go by to see, uh, you know, who who got passed up to uh, mm-hmm. uh, draft somebody who winds up being a bust. That's one of my favorite things to do, to go look at old NHL drafts and see, <laughs> man, they could have had this guy at, at five, and uh, they pick somebody else and uh, at three, and uh, look what happens. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably watch it. I'll definitely watch it and uh, at least the first round and uh, kind of evaluate it afterwards. All right, man. Scott, your final thoughts. Are you watching the draft? Anything else you'd like to add? Uh you are going to bypass the draft. Your final thoughts on everything we said, blue shirts, rest of the league, and then, we'll, and then we'll um, wrap up. I am not going to watch the draft. I don't know. Uh, like, like Glenn just said, it was exciting when, when the Rangers had the top picks and we knew we were going to hear those names, Capocacco and, 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 and Lexi Lafferty. You know, it was, it was exciting. I don't, beyond Connor Bedard, I don't, and who obviously we know is going to Chicago, I don't know anything about these guys. I don't really follow the younger guys, the juniors, the college, whatever. So I don't know. And I've just been like that in every sport. I know the NFL draft is a, a massive event for a lot of people. And uh, I have zero interest in watching these drafts. So, I mean, I'll call, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm interested to know who the Rangers draft. And then I'll, you know, wait for the analysis of the guys who actually do know about these people. And I'll, and, and I can't wait to read about these players that we're going to draft. And, you know, if they're good picks, bad picks, whatever, you know, I'll, I, I like the analysis after the fact. I'm very interested. I just have no desire to actually watch the thing. It does nothing for me. Um, so there's that. So my final, final thought, I believe I did look up the Philly games, and they are both very, very doable. They are both weekends. We've got uh, we got Black Friday. we got the day after Thanksgiving, a 1 p.m. game. That, that That's actually a trend. It used to be Boston, and, and now it's been Philly for the last couple of years. So so we got that. we got a nice 1 p.m. Uh, holiday Friday game, and then we've got uh, Saturday, February 24th, a 3 p.m. So uh, just throwing that out there, uh, 
definitely get some nice, uh, some Phillips, some Delisandro, something. I don't care either one. They were both all stars, all star cheesesteaks. I think I definitely found my spot. So uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it again next year, gentlemen. All right, shout outs to Scott. Thank you very much. As we wrap up, uh, it was a great hockey season. Uh, our boosters didn't get far, didn't get past that first round. Uh, enjoyed the Stanley Cup playoff run and then get into the off-season mode in, into the month of July when we pick up. Uh, thanks to RP, Ranger Proud, Elite Sports New York, and and, and and all the platforms he writes for, and Glenn and Scott, and shout-outs to Carl, and shout-outs to everybody who's been on. Uh, my final thoughts. You know, I am actually going to watch the draft tomorrow. I'm not, I haven't a clue who's, who is who because I haven't studied – the guys that are coming up in the circuits like I have in years past, but I am actually going to watch the NHL draft from a production standpoint. Uh, I like the fact that the NHL takes cues is going, you know, on a city tour, like, you know, go to different cities. I love that. And and then that's a great environment to do it in Tennessee uh, this season. I don't know where they're going to be at next season. Uh, I know the year they were supposed to do it in Montreal the first time they had the COVID and the world shut down. And I was really looking forward to that. But uh, I, I am actually a fan of what the NHL has been doing, and they do it, doing it on a Wednesday this year. So I will um, definitely tune in because I think the last few drafts have been on a Friday or something. I, I know it was later in the week. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely going to tune in, man. Uh, uh, Scott, I'm going to be taking a break from Sons of Anarchy. I've been binging that. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up on the hockey, man. I'm gonna definitely pick up on the hockey, and I like what some of these transactions with these te- teams did around the league. I actually have some thoughts on the Blues. I'll bring it up next time. St. Louis Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I might pick a team from the West next time we come back on. I might pick maybe Calgary. Let's look into Calgary the next time we get on here and and talk around the rest of the league. So maybe by the time we come back on and the, the Rangers moves or whatever we draft, we'll have more to, you know, to discuss. But RP, I want to say thank you to you, sir. A fantastic hockey season, Glenn and Scott. Same thing for you guys as well. Fantastic hockey season. Talking uh, hockey every Tuesday during the season and and then, then uh, picking up on every other. Uh, Tuesday format in the off season. So I have nothing else, man. It's been a fun episode. R.I.P. to the Norris Trophy. I like that. We should make that a hashtag, Scott. I'll put that on Twitter. <laughs> I, think, I think we should do that, right? Absolutely. Glenn, your official criteria for the Hall of Fame, man. Well, Glenn, if you could really, we only got like a minute left. But what, as far as the Hall of Fame, man, how how, how did you feel about this run as a player, man? All those years um, with the Islanders and the Canadians, you know, Piston. You know what? I know you brought you know up. He's got the numbers. I can't deny it. But I can't say that I ever thought that he was one of the maybe top ten players in the league for any period or that I ever thought I was watching a Hall of Famer when he played. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's usually one of my criteria. He's got the numbers, so, you know, I can't really complain. But a Hall of Famer, I, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence about it. <laughs> He's gone on the fence. <laughs> and, not just, and not just because right. he played for the Islanders. Not just because he played for the Islanders. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, cool I mean, guys. Well, enjoy. I'll oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So, I was uh, just one last thing. I mean, the thing I remember Pierre Turgeon about most was when he got nailed by uh, on Washington by uh, I, I forget his name now. Uh, but uh, you know, when he got nailed after scoring a goal, and it was like a big brouhaha uh, about that. Uh, so that's the that's the one thing I remember Pierre Turgeon for. All right, all right. Yeah, man, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Shout out to Lundquist on that as well. Deserve 
No brainer. All right, guys. Sangreso, ladies and gentlemen. Great hockey episode, man. Take care. We blew. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.